0: And welcome to RC Plane Lab. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Today we're going to be talking about a continuation of last week's episode. This is how to set up your landing gear. Yeah. Before we get into that, a couple things really quick. Don't forget, once again, we still have a, a new survey mm-hmm. on the website. Go fill it out if you haven't already. If you have, thank you very much. And we're taking May off. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about that. Uh, no new episodes in May. Coming back in June, we'll be going to a once-every-two-week release, and then once fall hits, fall-slash-winter sometime in there. Mm-hmm. Once gonna, the flying season is over. <laughs> we'll re- Yeah, we'll resume our, our weekly release. Yeah. Um, and that's just to give us some time to, you know, go outside and do some stuff and not be tied to this. As much as we enjoy it, we have other things that we ought to be doing also.
1: Yep. Yeah, so we'll resume the normal schedule there uh, after the flying season's over, and hopefully by then you've all filled out the survey and given us plenty of material uh, to talk about. Plenty to
0: talk about. Hopefully. And hopefully we'll have enough done to where we can talk about that too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, let's talk about setting up our landing gear. Okay. First, wheels.
1: Yeah, we didn't uh, really touch on this uh, in the the episode before this one, Uh, so I just... Thought I'd put together a few tips uh, for you know mounting your wheels uh, onto your axles. Um, you know you're going to use. Uh, you, you don't want any. You want your wheels to spin freely. Uh, you don't want any binding of the wheel or anything like that. And sometimes binding can be caused by the wheel actually contacting the strut,
0: but not too freely. No, you don't want them to be. I mean, you don't. You want them to spin freely, but you don't want them to be so so loose fitting that they. Jerk around or, you know, what I'm trying, you know what I'm trying to say? No, not actually I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if you use a wheel that's too big for the, the axle that you have.
1: Oh yeah, it's wobbly. You, yeah, it's yeah.
0: wonky, I it guess does, is your yeah. word.
1: It introduces wonky it, ground handling. It introduces
0: yeah. wonk. <laughs> and nobody likes to have too nobody, much walk.
1: Nobody wants wonk. walk. Nope.
0: No, so yeah, loose is good, too loose is bad. Yeah, exactly. That's all I was trying to go for. Okay, well, it makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you don't want any binding
1: for sure. Uh, and like I said, sometimes binding can be caused by the wheel actually moving too far in on the axle and rubbing the strut. And uh, to fix that, you just basically shim the wheel away from the strut on the axle. And you can do that with wheel collars or washers, uh, spacers, shim, whatever you have handy, uh, to shim that wheel away from the strut, um, uh, is going to do you, um, uh, uh, pay dividends, uh, by a nice smooth ground handling. Um,
0: yeah. The last thing you want is an accidental braking on a wheel. Yeah. Because then you turn or then you flip over. Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely do not want a, an
1: uncommanded turn on your takeoff <laughs> run. Uh, that is that is bad. And that could be caused by uh, binding of the wheel. And the most common uh, bind I see is the wheel just going too far in on the axle and rubbing up against the strut. So uh, that's one quick tip. Yeah, make sure the wheel is not touching the strut. Um, and then, you know, you want the wheels to spin freely, but you don't want them to spin too freely. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what I find I sometimes have to do is uh, sometimes the wheel I want to use doesn't fit the axle that I that I have available to use. Uh, so sometimes I might have to drill the hub of the wheel out, and that's fine. Uh, it's totally okay to do that as long as the material is there for you to do. Uh, just don't drill it out too big, otherwise you get a wobbly wheel, and you don't want that.
0: A wonky wheel. Yep.
1: Yeah. And if the if the hole in the wheel is too big for the axle that you're using, sometimes you can shim that hole using um aluminum tube or brass tube or, or whatever um you can find uh to shim that hole size down. And sometimes you can even do the same thing by filling the hole with epoxy and then re-drilling the hole. I've done that before too. Really? Mm-hmm. Works like a champ.
0: That seems like it would be a pain.
1: It it's not easy, but I mean, you know, if if that's all you got to work with, then yeah. Uh I've done True. it. It's not hard to do, especially with the the Dubro, you know, the plastic uh, style wheels, it, it's a piece of cake. And it, essentially what you're doing, by the time you drill out the hole again, you've just got a perfect size shim inside the hole. I mean, you're not counting on the epoxy to do anything structural. It's just taking up space.
0: Well, and like how exact, like obviously these don't get uh, balanced. It's not that <laughs> yeah. big of a deal because you're not going that fast. But mm-hmm. how, like how close do you need to be? Because I would think trying to redrill a hole in the middle – of a wheel, like finding the exact center would be a little difficult.
1: So there's a trick to that. Uh, when when that, when I fill a hole up with epoxy, I don't like. I mean, I fill it as, as close to um, fully as possible, but I'll leave a little bit at the top, uh, a little space at the top. And usually, what will happen is, as the, as the epoxy cures, it'll kind of form a divot, and that divot is perfect for centering your drill bit in the hole.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm glad we have these conversations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that uh, – it. and – but to be honest, I, I'm sure I've not drilled them perfectly in the center. And for sport-type airplanes, it's fine. You know, if you're going to – if you're building a big high-dollar scale warbird kind of a thing, chances are you're not going to be using plastic Dubro wheels <laughs> on it that don't fit your axles. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So uh, – but, yeah, in a pinch, yeah, I've filled the holes before and, and re them. Cool. And it works works perfect. Um, another tip: uh, if you're using wheel collars, uh, wheel collars have set screws uh, that that actually attach them or anchor them to the axle or the or the piece of wire that is being used as your axle. Um, do yourself a favor and file a flat spot on that axle wherever that set screw is going to contact the axle. Um, that's just one more um, insurance policy you can take out. Uh, to keep those collars from spinning off of the axle. If you provide a nice flat spot for that set screw to grab onto, it's a much more secure mounting than you know bearing your set screw down on a round a round axle. And what I do honestly is I will file a flat down the entire length of my axle. Not just where the set screws go, but like along the entire length. And we're not talking like I don't file off half the axle, but just a flat spot enough to where I I have the freedom to move those collars in and out wherever I want, and then not have to worry about getting taking everything back apart and filing a flat wherever that set screw made contact. Does that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So you don't want to do it too deep, though.
1: No, no. Like I said, you don't. You know, don't don't file your flat halfway through your your axle, but just enough about the width of the of the face of the set screw is really all you need. Um, just enough of a, a flat spot to give that a nice flat surface for that screw to grab onto. Well,
0: and the only or the other thing too is if you go too deep with it. Uh, your set screw is not going to be setting too much inside of the wheel collar right because they're not very long so if you yeah. if you do it to where you have to tighten it too much or go in too far yeah, it's not going to have the, the threads yeah it's not going to have the <laughs> threads inside of the collar anymore so right. Right. it might not even work for you
1: yeah exactly and speaking of threads um, I'm not a huge fan of loctite in general uh, but on set screws for wheel collars
0: i like to use loctite
1: the blue locked, Yeah, the stuff that you can remove, whichever one it the is. The blue I think, is removable. Okay, so the blue. The um, red is permanent. Okay, don't use the red. <laughs> use the blue. Unless you never want to take it apart again, then... Use the red.
0: Nah, uh, you need to don't use the red. <laughs> Just you never know. I mean, you never know if you break true. a wheel if you land too hard or oh, something. That's true. You got. You yeah. might. I mean, try and always make it removable. Uh,
1: but but you, whatever you use, use some Loctite on those set screws because they do they do vibrate loose. I and mean, you know our airplanes they do vibrate no matter how much care we take in balancing the propellers so that they don't vibrate. They they still vibrate. Well, they some.
0: they vibrate on landing. I mean, there's a lot of vibration that goes in through landings and takes offs and take-offs take offs, take offs,
1: takes offs, that. takes offs. Ooh, a long
0: night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so yeah, use Loctite so they don't vibrate loose. And then, uh, one last thing, uh, the axle, um, like I said, it can be either the bolt on style or if you have wire gear, the axle is sometimes bent as the final step, uh, as part of that. And, uh, so, um, just a note about the bolt-on axles. They they bolt on, obviously, um, <laughs> but use Loctite on those too, on the on and the
0: nuts that hold those together. Watch too. So if you're using the bent type landing gear, to where you have a, it's not like a perfect bend where there's a little angle to it, um, your wheel can kind of walk up on that and yeah. get stuck. Yeah. So don't don't do that. Yeah. Use, use a, a spacer. A, yeah. Use a, a wheel collar wheel on collar, the inside
1: yeah. there to space it away from that that bend so it doesn't get bound up. Yep.
0: Because that cool. will lock up quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Been there done that one, I will admit. Okay. <laughs> I think I have to actually. Yeah, you learn by making mistakes. That's I mean, the easiest honestly, way to remember these, things. These
1: tips and and tricks and and my you know rules for setting up servos and all this stuff, those are learned through many years of of failure, honestly. <laughs> so um, let my failures be your um, guide. Be your be your guide, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well that's a that's a good way to do it. I mean, like I said, it's <laughs> you make mistakes. That you don't have to make if you have learned from somebody else.
1: Absolutely true. So. Yeah. And hopefully saving you some money and time in the process.
0: And aggravation more an than aggravation anything. more than anything. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah. We don't so want to how, get to the point where somebody wants to quit because they make a mistake that ex- you could have saved them from.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> so, yeah. So, next we'll... uh I'll talk about uh, what uh, what I wanted to talk about, and that is uh, uh, the steps you take to get your retractable gear mounted and set up. Um, not an overly complicated process, and I'll preface this by saying,
0: but it kind of is an overly complicated process. Well, I mean, if it you if you think non retractable, well, I mean, gear. it's
1: certainly more work than putting fixed gear on your airplane. Sure, I'll give you that. Okay, um, but I mean, it's not really rocket science.
0: No, it's gear science. B-
1: gear science (laughs) i like it okay it's gear science (laughs) so um you are a gear scientist by putting retractable gear at see there you go there's another reason to put retractable gear in your airplane it makes you a scientist
0: you can put that on your card on your yeah on your ama card just turn over right on the back gear scientist uh
1: at any rate uh (laughs) you start um with the decision to put retractable gear in your airplane. That's um, a good start. That's a good spot. start. Yep. So obviously we're not going to talk about this if you've decided to put fixed gear on it. So we're oh. going to assume that you've decided to put retractable landing gear on your airplane. <laughs> uh, next step would be to choose the type that you want to use. Either you want to use mechanical, pneumatic, or electric. Um, there's pros and cons to, to all of those, all three of those, um, and uh, the 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 choice you make on the gear you use uh, is going to depend on a lot of things uh your budget um it's going to depend on um your skill level you know maybe uh, maybe you've only built a few airplanes and you know maybe the setup is a little intimidating uh, which it can be uh, uh maybe uh you know it's also going to depend on how patient you are cuz uh, especially with the mechanical setups you have to be very patient and uh, meticulous about your setup so if you don't have a lot of patience like me twenty-ish years ago, uh, then or me today or Ron today, are you twenty? You're not twenty years younger than I am,
0: are you? No, but I'm okay. just saying I'm to the point where I'm not all that patient right now. Oh, okay,
1: yeah. Uh, your choice will also depend on what uh, what level of detail uh, you want to achieve. Like if you're building a master's uh, competition. Uh, class warbird gun then, or something. Yeah, then you know, probably you're going to you're going to choose the more expensive, maybe the more detailed electric retracts with the scale struts and all that kind of stuff and
0: And to be stuff. honest, if you're building a top gun airplane, you're probably not listening to us talk about how to set well, up electric true. retracts that's or pneumatic retracts. That's absolutely true. Yeah,
1: you're going to be the ones we call to get <laughs> yeah. advice from. So,
0: hey, give uh, me a hand with this. Yeah.
1: Um, But anyway, those will be some of the the factors that will um, sort of influence the choice uh, you make as to which gear. Uh, But I'll start with the cheapest uh, and most complicated uh, and we'll work up to the most expensive and least complicated.
0: Which is ironic. Which is not ironic
1: because usually
0: uh, you pay pay for
1: convenience, right? Which is the opposite of
0: ironic. (laughs) It's non ironic.
1: (laughs) So we'll start with mechanical retracts. that, like I said they're they're the cheapest uh, they're the most inexpensive that you can buy. Um, but they are well, they are definitely the uh, the the most difficult, I'll say to set up properly. A finicky absolutely. Everything has to be just right the throws on the because they are mechanical and operated by a servo like we mentioned in the last episode um the setup has to be just right for the for the gear to reach its up lock and down lock and and everything has to be you know the moons have to align just perfect for everything to work perfectly on every flight
0: so how many moons are there
1: well there's like five or six around like venus right or something like that i don't know the moon and the stars, okay? We'll just say it that
0: way. There we go. That? Does
1: that sound better? <laughs> um, but anyway, to to set them up, and this applies really to any retractable gear. Um, the retractable gear is usually a, a unit that then is bolted into the airframe, in the wing or, or the fuselage. Uh, that mounting surface that you mount the gear to the rails or the plate or whatever you're using has to be completely flat. Um, if you're using two beams, those beams have to be perfectly parallel. And the reason for that is if when you when you put the usually there's four screws that hold a retract unit in place. Uh, when you bear those when you torque those four screws down, if there is any unevenness, it will cause the cage or the or the frame of that retract. Am I boring you?
0: <laughs> Stop it, just keep going.
1: <laughs> It will cause the cage or the frame of that retract to actually twist or, or kind of... Torque. Yeah, in the in its mount, and that will cause binding. And binding is... Bad. ...is the number one thing you want to avoid in your setup. If, if you can't avoid any of the other pitfalls, avoid binding, because that will, well, for sure, will cause a, a gear failure or a failure to extend, which means a belly up or... Belly up?
0: Belly... A, belly a, gear la- up a gear belly, up belly landing. landing. Thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, it's difficult for me to talk too. Uh, but anyway, we don't want that, especially on a warbird where maybe you've got some bombs and stuff hanging off the wing and a belly landing would just tear the, you know what, out of the bottom of your airplane. We don't want that. So avoid binding at all costs. Like, so make sure those mounting... Plates or beams, or whatever, are perfectly flat so that when you torque that gear down, that gear unit down into the plate, it's nice and flat, and it and it uh, swings through its rotation freely without any uh, binding. And that applies to all types: mechanical, pneumatic, uh, electric. You want them all to have a nice, flat, secure mounting so that we're not torquing that cage or a frame and causing binding. So that's number one, and that applies, like I said, to all of them. Um, your gear cutouts. Like, <clears throat> so I've seen this quite a few times in, in, uh, in my years in the hobby, people will, you know, they'll, they want that perfect fit. Like when the gear retracts up into the wing and they've got the, the cutouts, just the perfect size for the wheel, just to barely fit in there with no gaps or anything like that looks super clean. And it's awesome until they fly it the first time, uh, because the gear legs are usually made of wire and wire can bend, especially on rougher surfaces. So uh, that perfect alignment that they had on the bench, now that they've flown it, they go to retract the gear and the gear does this sort of thing and hangs up on the outside of the wing because they've made their cutouts too small. So do yourself a favor. Make sure the cutouts, make sure they fit the gear number one, make sure the gear will swing up in there and fit the cutout and, but also make sure there's a little bit of clearance because the gear wire can bend, um, especially on rougher fields. Like, you know, our field can get rough in the middle of summer with the, you know, the patchy grass that Mm -hmm. sometimes grows out there. And that will bend a small amount, uh, the wire that your gear is made of. So, uh, you know. Yes, take your time, make the fit nice, but also give yourself a little headroom on clearance so you don't have an issue when you go to try to extend the gear, but the gear is now stuck in the wheel well.
0: And that would be problematic too because then you're stalling a servo. Exactly. Yeah, so on a mechanical be, setup for sure. Yeah. 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 I thought Which that's is what bad. you're talking about with a mechanical now. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that th- this the same rule applies. I mean, you, you want that cutout to be – you know, have enough clearance for all of them, but especially with the, yeah, with the mechanical one, because you're driving that with a servo. And now, like you said, you've stalled the servo and now you're drawing all this amperage also through your system, uh, taking that amperage away from the other servos that are controlling the airplane. So yeah, lots of bad things can happen <laughs> all because you wanted that perfect, nice fit. And I get it. I'm, I mean, I totally get it, but give yourself some headroom, make a little bit of, make your cutout just a little bit, a little bit bigger.
0: Give yourself some leeway.
1: Yeah. Um, so that, uh, like I said, that's, that's, it seems obvious that you need to cut out to fit the gear, but you know, it's, it's not that obvious, you know, give yourself some room. Um, you will need a, uh, when, when you choose mechanical, um, uh, retracts, you're going to need a servo to operate that gear. Um, and the servos for retractable landing gear are specific for that purpose uh, because they swing through a 180 degree arc as opposed to our standard aircraft servos, which I believe is 120 degrees. Uh, so a, a retract servo is unique uh, in the fact that it rotates 180 degrees through its complete range. Uh, and that's important because that's how the up locks and down locks are actually. Um, accomplished on a mechanical setup. So you have to have that special retract servo. And that's how they're marketed. They're labeled high-tech. Why, why is they that, make though?
0: It. What's the difference between 180-degree servo rotation with a shorter arm versus 120-degree rotation with a longer arm?
1: Okay, well, I can, I'll try to explain it. I, I mean, I know what the reason is, but I'll try to explain it. So <clears throat> when the gear is, let's say we have the gear retracted and locked, Okay. Okay. You want that lock to be in line with the servo, so that if anything tries to pull that gear out, it can't because it's got no leverage arm because the the rod is in a straight line with the gear. If if you only go 120 degrees, you've got that angle now that you could actually physically push the gear out of the lock because your arm isn't locked in place.
0: It's not like over centered. I, I guess I get what you're saying, but I always assumed the lock locked it like the lock locks that wheel to where it can't be pulled in or out no matter how it
1: it does line it is it is a detent in the framework of the of the gear unit yeah but it only works in concert with that in line uh, sort of arrangement of the of the actual push rod and the and the push rod mechanism of the of the gear
0: so that's more important to be locked down than it is to be locked up yes so why can't you just set it up with a regular servo to where it's locked down? You so, could, but then okay. in, a,
1: in a high G turn or whatever like that, the gear may try to pull out of the wheel well and then you're adding all this extra strain to the servo because now the servo is trying to keep that gear pulled up because you've, you haven't you got the 180 degrees. You've got the full lock on one end, but then you're only 120 degrees out. Even though the the detent might be in the lock position on the gear, the servo is not in that the the rod isn't in the in the over centered lock position so you still got that that tension on it so as the gear tries to come out it's pulling on the servo which is now using more amperes to try to keep that gear pulled up into the same as like trying to deflect a rudder you know when the radio
0: is turned on by hand uh okay i okay i don't necessarily like i'll, I'll go along with you on that <laughs> okay
1: I probably haven't done a, <clears throat> excuse me, I probably haven't done a great job of explaining it, but there is a, there is a specific reason and it has to do, I wish I had a mechanical setup here. Maybe I could show you, but um, the, the, it has to do with that 180 degree uh, up and down lock action. Like and if it's, if it's not in line, then you still, yeah, it's in the lock in the, in the gear, but just the gear still depends on that in line sort of arrangement so that the servo, you know, it can't deflect the servo one direction or the other. But
0: anyway, without, okay. without getting really into that. Sounds um, more like a marketing ploy to me. Yeah, maybe for it
1: may be 180 degree
0: know. servo manufacturers, but it worked, it worked <laughs> on me. So no, it, I only it, it buy retract sense. servos for yeah.
1: retract applications. So anyway, yeah, you'll need a servo and, uh, you, it'll be, uh, specific for the purpose. Now, if you're using tricycle gear, there's a good chance the one servo is probably not going to operate all three gear, uh, Maybe, maybe you're a whiz at pushrod setup. I've never been able to get a tri gear setup to work with one servo, and I've tried. Um, <laughs> so uh, you may need a second servo to operate that nose gear on a, on a trike gear, uh, which actually simplifies the installation a little bit anyway. So, um, but anyway, yeah, mechanical setups, you're going to need a retract specific uh, servo, and you'll only need one for tail draggers. Uh, so then you will need. So well, now you
0: you can use two though. Two what? Two servos for a tail dragger.
1: You can. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, you don't have to. Just no, you use don't one. have to use just one. You can okay. certainly use a a, you a know, single one for on sure. Yeah. and
0: yeah. that might depending on the wingspan, depending on what you're doing, might be easier anyway.
1: Uh, absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: because yeah. okay.
1: you don't want your push rods to be really, really, really long, uh, because then that potentially introduces flex into the into the system, which. Again, sort of defeats the purpose of that locking mechanism. If well, a- not just
0: the locking mechanism, but it's amazing how much pressure it takes really to push a servo up or down, mm. or not a servo, but to, to how mm-hmm. much pressure it takes from the servo to push the gear up and down. Yeah, so yep, that's true. that you don't want flex in that because of that.
1: Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, you could you could certainly use one servo for each gear. There's no law against that, and that would that would definitely uh, simplify uh, your setup and probably actually make it work better because then you have individual control of each of each uh, gear. But mm-hmm. at any rate, uh, so now that you've got the gear and the servo, uh, you need to connect the two together with a push rod. Just, just like you would connect a push rod to your control surface, um, you can think of the retract, the mechanical retract gear, um, as a control surface that needs actuation from a servo. So you have to have some sort of a, a push rod uh, to do that. And you want that, here's a few things about the push rod. You want it to be as straight as possible, like no bends or anything like that, because we don't want to introduce any flex. And that push rod, the longer it is, the more support it needs along its length. And you can do that lots of different ways. You can, uh, the rod and a tube type arrangement, you can set that up. Um, you can uh, fabricate standoffs uh, with uh, bushings in them uh, to help support that rod. Any, any way you can support that length of uh, push rod uh, will do um, good things uh, for the operation of the gear. The the more solid that push rod installation is, the more solid the actuation will be. Um, again, all kind of plays into the complexity of setting up mechanical uh, retracts, uh, but they they are the the cheapest, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, for me personally, the way I set mine up, uh, usually um, I try to only do retracts on tail draggers. Uh, the Duelist was an exception, but uh, with mechanical retracts anyway, I don't even want to mess with the nose gear um, because—
0: The steering.
1: This, yeah. And the steering I'll talk, is the biggest thing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, you know, you, when that gear starts retracting up, you got to have some mechanism in place to center the wheel so that it retracts straight up in there. You don't want to wheel cock sideways as you're trying to retract it. Then it's stuck on the outside of the air. Just so many factors. So I try to avoid retractable nose gear at all costs. But uh, I got it to work okay on the Dualist, and uh, it's been flight tested, so my, my setup works. But I try to avoid that whenever possible. Um, so – on a mechanical setup, uh, I usually operate my gear with just one servo, and I do that, which was was two push rods because there's two gears, uh, two gear. Is it gears or gear? Two,
0: two landing gear.
1: I don't know. <laughs> two retractable gear units. Um, so there's one push rod that has to go to each and I actuate that off of one servo. And the way I do that is I just use a, uh, two-sided servo arm. So it just looks like a straight line. Um, you know, so there's one arm on one side of the output shaft and then 180 degrees. There's another arm and I use, uh, and man, I hate to admit this, but I use easy connectors. <laughs> I know, I use easy connectors at the servo end uh-huh. and I use 440 rod cause it's, uh, a bit thicker and stronger and, you know, less uh, flex. Um, and then I'll run that out to my gear. And then I have threaded ends at the at the gear end, and I use metal clevises to actually snap that onto the control rod. Or I'm not sure what that input rod, I think, is what it's called maybe on the – but there's a rod on the mechanical gear that yeah. actually moves in and, and, in and out that you have to actuate. And that's how I set up. And the reason I use easy connectors, I know I've said on the show before that I hate them, and I do. Um, but the reason I use them on this is because they're it, easy. <laughs> it takes a lot of trial and error to get that um, throw to, to get the throw just right and to get the angle just right and and you know you're doing 180 degrees, so you know you don't want anything kind of interfering with each other. So um, it takes a little bit of trial and error, and the easy connectors just just make it unfortunately easy. Uh, but I do. I use Loctite on the on the bolt. When I finally get everything the way I want it, I use Loctite on the bolt, and I file a small flat on the actual rod where the set screw uh, bears down, just like I would do on an axle um, to try to give me that, uh, that feel-good feeling that that's not ever going to come apart. So, I get it. So on landing gear, I will, I will give myself a pass, and I will use easy connectors on the landing gear retractable landing gear servo I should be specific hey
0: I'm not judging you
1: Um, but anyway uh, once that is complete once you've got everything hooked up and you've got your gear cutouts just right and the gear you know cycling test it thoroughly I mean like really put it to the test in the workbench or on your workbench because uh, time spent here getting it just right is going to save you a lot of aggravation at the field if you have to do like I said if you have to do like a you know a gear up landing with you know stuff hanging off the bottom but you don't want to tear up your monocoat and all that kind of stuff so
0: test all over that and over then, and over all again. that
1: work you do now will save you lots of headaches later
0: okay let's move on to pneumatics
1: yeah. So pneumatic—that's the next uh, sort of tier as far as uh, expense is concerned. Um, however, they're more expensive than mechanical, but they're a little bit less—a little bit less work uh, to set up. They're actually easier to set up. I'm gonna go ahead and say it.
0: <laughs> but there's more to do. Yeah,
1: and I, and I didn't—I failed to mention this uh, when we were talking about the mechanical ones. But usually, not always, but usually, when you buy. Um, a set of retractable landing gear. It will come with this thing inside the package, and it's called the instructions. We don't need those. I would read them. Actually, uh, there's a lot of good information on there, but uh, yeah, read the instructions. Do yourself a favor. Sometimes there's unique requirements to a particular brand of gear uh, that uh, that I probably haven't mentioned here. Uh, so read the instructions, and usually you can't go wrong um, when, when you do that.
0: When in doubt, Just read the instructions. Just read the instructions. Yeah.
1: Isn't that the name of uh, what's-her-face's That's
0: why I (laughs) said (laughs) it. Okay. Yeah. SpaceX's drone landing ship. So, yeah. I'm a dork.
1: No, that's okay. That's cool. Uh, So, pneumatic retracts, you have to have the same uh, sort of... uh, What what am I trying to say? I don't
0: Um, know. You just spaced out. I did. Same sort of...
1: They have... Similar requirements um, as mechanical retracts, and electric for that matter. Uh, the mounting needs to be solid and flat, just like I mentioned with the mechanical. Uh, we don't want to warp that cage or get it, you know, sort of askew a in the mounting, causing binding, because we don't want any binding. Um, and your gear cutouts, you know. Again, give yourself a little bit of headroom uh, with the room, uh, to just in case that wire bends on a takeoff or a rough landing and you don't catch it before the next flight. So with those requirements out of the way, uh, the stuff that sort of sets pneumatic um, apart from the others is that it's operated by air, pressurized air.
0: Well, and that's that then, right? I mean.
1: (laughs) It doesn't require a a specific uh, retract gear servo. Uh, It can use any old standard, uh, you know, analog or digital airplane servo which uh which is great because then you can use a small lightweight to uh, read cheap servo to actuate the the air valve uh that actually Yeah, you worry about a
0: cheap servo for expensive retracks. Well, I mean They're pricey.
1: Well, some of them can be. Yeah. Um they're they're certainly more expensive than mechanical uh, retracts. Um but
0: and there's a lot more plumbing that goes into it. There
1: is. But as far as the actual air valve itself goes, it's actually quite easy to move uh, back and forth. You know, it's just a, I think, it's, I think the technical term, it's a shuttle valve. It shuttles high pressure air from one side to the other. But anyway, um, it's actually quite easy to move. So a relatively inexpensive servo, uh, usually it's not too much for a servo like that to handle. Um, myself, I, as I've mentioned before, I think in the servo episode, I really, really like those high-tech, 225 uh, MGs, I think is what I, they're not terribly expensive. Relatively speaking, they're not terribly For expensive. They are. Um, but they're a great quality servo and they're lightweight. That's what I like about them. And they're small, so you can fit them in small areas. Um, in fact, if you look at the dualist build videos or the build, uh, log, uh, on the website, you can probably actually see uh, where I stuck that servo, and it's like I said, it's in a really, really small space, and it does the job perfect. But anyway, you don't have to have a fancy uh, retract-specific servo. This is what I'm trying to get at. A standard <laughs> aircraft servo will work just fine. Um,
0: well, not standard size. You mean like – well? A
1: standard size will work, but just a standard you can aircraft use a servo. Yeah, smaller one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A regular aircraft servo that well, operates. Not a regular. No,
0: I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you don't need a fancy retract servo you can use any other type of servo continue on <laughs> okay. i gotcha just wanted to make sure nope, that uh, we're good all right um and then yeah the only the only other thing once you've got the mounting done and you've got the servo figured out and that you've got the uh, linkage set up so that you get the full travel on your uh, retract valve the only thing you have to worry about then is the plumbing uh, it's super, super easy to do, um, but it is a little bit more work than an electric retract where all you have to worry about is a, is basically a servo lead.
0: Um, so are those kind of like, is that air up, air down? So or? yeah, I was, yep. Oh. Go
1: ahead. No, you've got it.
0: Okay. So are those air up, air down, <laughs> or are they spring loaded one way? So there's both types. Um, the the type that I put in the dualist are I think air, you've told me this before, but I don't remember.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, I don't remember either. But uh, yeah, the the type that's in that I put in the dualist are air up and air down. So it uses pressurized air to go both up and down. Um, there's other types of gear on the market that are um, air up, and then for safety's sake, they spring down. So if you have a you know a loss of air pressure on board, the gear will naturally spring down.
0: Or if uh, you just run out of air.
1: Or if you run out of air. That's a yeah. good idea actually. Yeah, it's a, I it, prefer
0: yeah. defaults to down.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's been my experience that the that this the spring down, um, retracts are a little bit heavier, uh, because of that big internal spring that's, you know, kind bringing oh, it down. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they work, they work great. Um, yeah, there's been several companies over the years that have made them spring air. Uh, that was their, um, uh, you know, that, I think they were, uh, known for that. Not only by the name of the company, Spring Air, because they spring it's down.
0: Quite exact.
1: Yeah, but uh, but I think Robart actually either bought the company or maybe they bought the rights to produce the gear. But Robart produces, or they did produce the spring down uh, gear also. Um, but anyway, that's the two different types of pneumatic. But yeah, running just a couple notes about running the airline. It is flexible, so the the, the tubing. It's a really really thick. Um, I'm not even sure what it's made of. It's some sort of a rubberized neoprene, something comes in several different colors, but it's really, really thick wall, but it is flexible. So you can route it, you know, kind of wherever you need to route it, but do, do yourself a favor. Um, and which is common practice that I see, and I'm guilty of it too, uh, just running the line in there, laying it in the fuselage and then just expecting it to stay where you put it. Um, (laughs) I mean it is flexible so it is designed to be routed you know around corners and things like that but don't just leave it laying in there um try to try to fabricate something to hold the the tubing in place once you've got it where you want it because the last thing you want is for that tubing to come loose and then get wrapped around a push rod or or something like that so um yeah aside from that there you know there's really no I mean they they either go all the way up or they go all the way down there is no mechanical linkage that you have to set up or anything like that so they are quite easy to install so
0: what like what kind of pressures do those work at
1: Yeah so um on on mine I think uh my little robart gauge at the end of my pump goes up to 120 psi I think
0: It's about standard for an air compressor
1: Okay and uh and I run it up to there and I can get probably Um, I don't have a huge tank in my airplane. I think it's a, uh, I want to say it's an eight ounce tank, I think, air tank. Um, and I can get easily 12, 13 cycles and that's three gear now, you know, a nose gear and, you know, the two mains. So, I mean, you know, one charge at 120 PSI will, uh, will last usually almost an entire day's, you know, flying session. So, um, a couple of things I do is, uh... Uh, I guess there is one more thing, one more step. You have to figure out where you want to mount uh, the fill valve, you know, because there's going to be a valve that has a one-way, well, kind of like an air chuck that you will plug your pump into to pump up the system. Um, so uh, m- most most often I just create a little light ply hard point in the fuselage to mount my valve and I uh, just mount it right to the outside, and usually, uh, right next to it, I will we'll mount one of those Robart uh, number one seventy three um, air gauge. It's a cool little deal that uh, if you mount it right next to the to the chuck, um, the more you air it up, the more this little valve sort of sticks out of the gauge, and it has little um, uh, colors. Yeah. Markings? Markings on it, yeah. Uh, segments that uh, kind of tells you, yeah, I think it's in five PSI increments. Oh, no, I take that back. It's in 10 PSI increments. Um, how And it'd give you a quick uh, indication of how much pressure you have left in the thing.
0: Oh, so, okay. Yeah, it's kind of a neat little neat – I thought gizmo. maybe it was red, green, and white, or red, well, green, the, and yellow. The
1: lines, I think, are – I think the, the lines are like they have red on them to make them easier to see. Okay. Yeah, because they're just basically – it's an aluminum shaft with these lines sort of machined into it. And the more of those you have sticking out, the more air you have in the system. So um, – but if you're wanting to hide something like that, um, you know, if you don't want your your fill valve exposed uh, or viewable, you can – you know, you could put it on the inside of the airframe somewhere like maybe before you mount the wing. Or under a hatch. For or like under a, yeah. Under a canopy maybe. Yep, yep. Or if it's uh, – you know, if you want to get really, really kind of scale, you know, you could create a panel somewhere and build a little <laughs> compartment and put it in there. and that Which would also be a good place to stash a thing like, uh, you know, like your switches or charging jacks or, uh, you know.
0: Anything. Arming switch you don't for
1: see. An, an yeah. ESC or well, whatever. Uh, but that's another topic. Uh, getting into a different world there. But, uh, but, yeah, so that pretty much covers the pneumatic retracts. Um, a little bit more. Uh, Money, yeah, they're a little bit more expensive. Okay, they're a lot more expensive than (laughs) mechanical retracts, but they're so much easier to set up. They really are.
0: Now, when you're running the the hoses and stuff, is it just press fittings, or do you have, I mean, like, what what holds it on? Is it a barbed fitting that goes in? I mean, like, are there tiny, tiny, uh, what are those things called, the little? uh,
1: Oh, hose clamp.
0: Are there, like, tiny hose clamps or anything, or or Uh, what?
1: No. So, well, yes and no. <laughs> so, all of the all of the fittings that the the tubing goes onto, those are all barbed. Okay. Uh so they have barbs on them to to prevent pulling them out. And let me tell you, it takes a lot of pressure to pull one of those things off of those barbed fittings. But if that's not enough, um Robart uh in their kits, they they I think they include them and they also make them available for sale. It's a knurled uh nut that has threads on the inside. That you you put that on the piece of tubing, and then you put your tubing over the fitting, and then this nut slides over and kind of threads over the fitting and sort of clamps.
0: Well, it's like a compression type fitting. Exactly. Thank okay. You. Exactly. Yeah. So cool.
1: yeah, uh, I think uh, I think I use those on my tank and my fill valve, but everything else is just pushed together with those barb fittings. And knock on wood, I haven't had any come loose yet.
0: That'd scare me. Like I don't know why, but just no yeah. mechanical fastener on there would scare me.
1: Well. I mean, your fears would be put at ease when you try to pull that hose off of one of those fittings just one time. I'm telling you, they are really hard to get off.
0: Yeah, I guess. Because yeah, okay. as you pull, you're making it a little bit smaller, so it's holding on more. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: so yeah, that's pneumatic. Don't be afraid of them. They're pretty easy to set up. Um, just a, a few uh, you know, gotchas there that you have to be careful of. But, but then otherwise. you
0: got to buy a pump, too.
1: Yep, yep. There's the added expense of a pump and then the, the valve. Oh, and that was something else I wanted to mention. Do yourself a favor. If you're going to go the pneumatic route, buy the valve that has the uh, the regulators built in. I know Robart sells several different styles of valves, and the one I'm talking about is the red one. I don't have the, the part number off the top of my head, but it looks like it has two little chimneys on it with some thumb screws on it. And what those do is those allow you to change um, essentially, the speed at which the gear actually operates. So essentially, mm-hmm. you're 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 allowing more air to bypass during that cycle, so you're not slamming that gear at full pressure up into the wing. Um,
0: oh yeah, I didn't think of that. If that went fast, that could be bad. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean there are stops built into the to the gear cages uh, to you know to obviously stop the gear from traveling any further. But the momentum, especially for heavier gear with like big big tires or whatever on them. You know, that momentum, when it slams up there, they may go, because of the flex in the in the wire or the struts or whatever you're using, uh, may allow those to go a little bit farther than you intend them to. And um, slap your wing. And slap the wing or, you know, knock a nose off. I mean, vibration is our you know, enemy. And, uh, we want to try to prevent as much of that as possible. And another way to prevent vibration is to not allow that gear to just slam up and, or down even, Yeah. because then, you know, with the gear coming down with that momentum, it's going to be wear and tear on the blocks that the gear is mounted to. Oh yeah. So do yourself a favor, uh, spend the extra money on, I mean, you're already buying pneumatic retracts anyway. Uh, spend the extra money and get that valve with the with the proportioning valves built in. That way, you don't have to use those inline uh, flow restrictor deals. You know what I'm talking about. You've yeah. seen those those things. They for work for other things, by I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah they work, but it's the,
0: another failure point.
1: It's yeah. It's they don't work as slick as being able to fine tune the speed of that gear. And I use it on my dualist, and the dualist is, you know, by all counts a relatively. Um, low cost airplane to put a, a high dollar retract system in, but I
0: guess, still pricey though.
1: it was worth it to spend the money on that, on that valve. Because like I said, I can, I can control how fast or slow that gears goes and I can prevent it from just slamming into the, yeah, into the airframe. So there you go. Pneumatic
0: retracts. Good deal. Lastly,
1: lastly, the most expensive, um, you know, when you compare similar sizes, <laughs> um, the most expensive and the, the easiest by far to uh, to install and set up is the electric retracts.
0: Now you have these on your P40. I
1: do, and they rotate even, which and, is even cooler.
0: And how much were those?
1: Okay, so it goes back a while, right? We've had the P40s for a while, um, and I bought the retracts when I bought the P40, and I don't think I got a discount. I got a dis- We got a discount on the P40s, yeah. But I did not get a discount on the gear, and I believe I paid these were the E flight ones mm-hmm. for that airplane. And I wanna say I paid a hundred and eighty nine dollars. And this would be back in what two thousand
0: and twelve ish? No, it was yeah, two thousand thirteen, I think, 13. is when we got the okay Yeah. So the kit, the whole airplane was ninety nine bucks. bucks. <laughs> and then <laughs> and your the wheels.
1: The gear. Didn't come with wheels, it was just the gear. It didn't even come with the wheels? No. Anyway, yeah. So, but man, I'm telling you what, the the installation was so easy. Yeah, I mean, same the same rules apply, right? Mm-hmm. You want a nice square, flat surface to mount them, and you want your gear cutouts to be a little bigger than your gear, which was all taken care of for me on the P40. Like it was an arf, yeah. yeah, it was an arf. Um, but yeah, so I I didn't have to. Worry about any of that because it was all done for me. I mean, I checked the flatness and it was fine. But um, yeah, all I had to do was take the gear out of the package. I think I may have had to cut the wire and mount the axle because I think it had like a weird um, L shaped axle thing that slid over the gear strut and then you had to set screw it or I don't know, some weird thing like that. Yeah. But anyway, mount it into the airplane, plug it into a Y harness and plug it into the retract channel of the receiver and it was done. Like that was it. That was the whole setup.
0: Yeah, there's no adjustments. Yeah. There's nothing. Tested
1: it a few times on the bench, and there was no adjusting anything. There was no having to route uh, rubber tubing anywhere. I didn't have to mount a tank. I didn't have to mount a valve. I didn't even have to install an extra servo. Like, I mean, it was yeah. There's nothing to them. They're really they're really the simplest um, uh, setup of of all of them, but they they are the most spendy, unfortunately. So, so here's some like, so there's the, there's my steps, you know, that from, from the most complicated, least expensive to the most expensive and least complicated. Then some general tips um, for installing retractable landing gear before we, before we finish is uh, uh, the goal of, of every setup is to minimize any binding. You want your gear to swing freely. Um, and you can test that by uh, disconnecting, uh, in the case of a mechanical, by disconnecting the servo and operating that uh, control rod manually and testing the gear that way to check for binding. On a on a pneumatic system, it's a little more complicated than that, especially if it's a, if it's a spring down type. Uh, but basically, remove all the air and uh, physically manipulate. You can usually do that with a. Uh, a a strategically located screwdriver to unlock and then move that gear by hand just to make sure there's no binding. And on the electric setup, um, if you're up for the challenge, you can actually physically uh, remove the uh, electric motor portion of the gear completely away from the retract and move the retract by hand again to check for binding. But on an electric retract, there—I mean, it's probably tested at the factory, so there's not going to be any binding as long as you haven't introduced any with the mounting. But anyway. The goal in your setup should be minimize binding uh, wherever possible to make that operation as smooth as possible to to take care of anything that, uh, you know, if you're using a servo to operate it, you don't want that servo to have to overwork itself, things like that. Uh, so that should be your first goal. Um, again, like I said before, you want your gear mounted on a nice, flat, completely flat surface. We don't want to uh, tweak that cage or the gear frame in any way because, you know, binding. Um,
0: It's all about the binding. It's all about the binding. It it. it
1: really is. I mean, mechanical retracts, just know that any extra deflection of that control rod is going to take away from the authority it has on the gear. So you want that push rod that goes from the servo to the mechanical gear to be well supported uh, against any kind of flex or anything like that. Uh, So that's uh, something to look out for on mechanical ones. On the pneumatic types, you like I mentioned, um, there's several different valves you can use uh, that are out there. Do yourself a, va- a favor; spend the extra money on that uh, that Robart. It's red in color. I, I don't know the number. I'm, I apologize, but um, it has uh, variable uh, controls on it that you can control the rate uh, of the movement, the speed of the movement of that gear, because you don't want it, you know, slamming into the into the airframe. And electric retracts are the bomb. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if I could afford them, I would have electrics probably other aside from the duelist, yeah. I would have them in, in every airplane I have that has retracts just because they're so easy to work with. And, and they're, they're nice because you can actually like a servo, you can speed them up and slow them down. If you have that function on your transmitter, yeah. which which is kind of cool. I yeah, think. I agree. Um, so you, know, you can like in the case of my P40, they go up really, really, really slow,
0: really scale. Like, <laughs> yeah, which well, yep. looks cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: and that's uh, that's that's really it. That's really uh, all I all I had to had to say about it. Just uh, the number one rule is uh, try to eliminate binding wherever possible and uh, no binding. And test your setup uh, on the bench like thoroughly test it on the bench at different angles too. By the way, yeah, yeah,
0: like lift your airplane up or put it on a an airplane stand at exactly. different angles: forty five degrees, one hundred and eighty degrees, <laughs> upside down, right side up, left right. Yep, check it. absolutely nose up, nose down.
1: Yep. Yep, check it in, in every conceivable angle.
0: Yeah, that's when you want to find the problem. Exactly. No, yeah, you don't want air. to
1: find it on your maiden flight. <laughs> that's for sure.
0: All right. Well, anything else?
1: No, I think that uh, I think I've blathered on about retractable landing gear long enough.
0: I agree. So,
1: <laughs> hey, fill out those surveys. Yeah, please, please
0: do. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. <laughs>